What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to Horror Movie Night. Just a reminder to go to our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast and donate some money so that we can continue to make some great products like this, go to conventions, do live events, and all that other fun stuff. But now, let's talk about a really shitty snake movie. <laughs> on Horror Movie Night, we ain't feeling too good, man. We got a pretty nasty bad bite, and our bros aren't here to suck it out of us, so now we're just getting sweaty, and we're slapping our girlfriends, and we're just feeling rather strange as we switch on Curse 2, The Bite. Thank you for listening to us here on Horror Movie Night. Uh, I uh, I picked this one. Um... Are we going to just extend all of our S's the entire episode? Sure we can. Um, and <laughs> the I'll... answer to that is yes. <laughs> and For about five minutes until we get tired of it. And then so I'm going to edit all of that shit out of the show. Um, <laughs> so, The Curse 2. Uh, I just discovered this movie maybe a year ago. Uh, Scream Factory was sending me a ton of stuff that they had put out. And one of the things that they put out was The Curse and The Curse 2 on a double feature Blu-ray. And uh, The Curse is not a very good movie. It's starring Will Wheaton. It's about, like, 
the water hole in a small town gets poisoned and everyone turns into like weird zombies and shit and it's just like it's not a very good movie uh the the only notable thing about it is will wheaton and a pretty cool poster uh i went into the the poster is definitely better than the movie which is on youtube uh in full i actually watched it as my what did we watch this week i'll just get out of the way it's awful it's boring as shit um it the effects are shit. <laughs> it's yeah. a bad movie. It's really bad. Every, this is a every, much better movie. Oh my god! The, Everywhere that I saw it listed, they kept putting Will Wheaton like right beside the title, as if that was some sort of selling point. Yeah, that's like, about, I don't I, care. <laughs> I was about to say that for Matt. Like you know, you keep saying like starring Will Wheaton. Um, starring is a very loose term, right here. <laughs> like, I, um. So so. The Curse to the Bite, I will admit, is a is a very flawed movie, and it's got some serious pacing issues. But when it gets going, it gets really fun. Um, and I didn't anticipate that, but I remembered watching it and being like, okay, yeah, this has got to be a future movie pick. And uh, here we are. <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's get... There are, there are certainly several parts to it that we will get to, but... We'll talk about those fucking pacing issues. Too. Oh yeah, <laughs> boy howdy, did we have some fucking pacing? Well, like, uh, the, so the movie's like literally ninety on the dot, I think. Um, and I would say an hour of the movie is just two people telling each other how much they love each other. Uh, but and, they apparently met right before their road trip. Is that what I'm getting out of the script here? I think they are a newish couple. Yes, but no, <laughs> I. I they're not an actual couple because um, – or at least they weren't before the road trip because, I mean, at the beginning you're led to believe that they are together and they're going on this road trip together. But then after he smacks the shit out of her, she uh, she's like, I don't need this shit. And she's like, you don't own me or something like that. It, when they're arguing in the hotel room and he's just like non, not responding to her at all, just holding his bitten hand. Um so, either the the writing is terrible or the direction is terrible. You guys pick. <laughs> it's not a bad movie. I had it in a good time. It was enjoyable to watch. Uh, but but logic is just not its strong suit. The, the, Are you thinking that he was just taking like a road trip and he picked her up as sort of like a hitchhiker type thing, and that's when they this sort of adventure begins? I thought that for a minute when she's saying that, but I think that they met. Before they they met in whatever city they started out from, and then he was like, "Well, I'm going to so and so, wherever. I'm going to L.A. or whatever." And she's like, "Oh, me too. I'll go too." And so it's like they were kind of thrown together in some way because they're not together. Like she, and that's also implied. Well, not implied, but it, it's it's kind of the point when. They're at the bar after he's bitten, and he's like drinking beer, and then he drink. I love how it's like this big deal that like oh he's turning into a snake because he drinks a, his the rest of his beer, and it has a fly in it. <laughs> like it's such stupid fucking writing, but it's it's so much fun. Like this movie is a ton of fun. I think that if we watched this movie with other people, the pacing would be less of an issue because we would just like turn to the other person and talk about something funny that we just saw or how stupid these people are acting. But when you're watching it alone and trying to write funny notes about it, you're just like, 
give me something to work with here. This yeah, you're like, I'd shit. love to, I'd love to write a funny note, but nothing's happened. Okay, so minutes. so so we start off. So let's let's kind of walk through the plot a little bit. So the movie we, starts, we start off with Robert Zadar's baby brother pumping gas in a gas station, <laughs> and we meet we meet the female lead who is uh who's like not bad looking, but then she talks, and you're like, oh god, like, yeah. she has have, one have, of the most I've, unfortunate voices. My second note is uh, main dude's girl has the most annoying voice. Third no- note, oh, and she sings great. <laughs> <laughs> so they're they're on this road trip. She decides to piss on the side of the road, and that's when he murders a snake while she's peeing uh, with a shotgun. And then Just, that uh, in to tie in with Scott's note there. I'm I, my third note is: Can you imagine going through a hundred miles of desert? With a passenger that tells you about their stupid fucking dinosaur dreams and then plays songs on their guitars the whole time. <laughs> Actually, I, in all honesty, I feel like that's what road tripping with you would be like. <laughs> um, so this, so this is my favorite like bad acting moment in the movie, and there's a lot of them, but this is like for me the the pinnacle. Is uh, <laughs> they start running over all of these snakes in the middle of the road. And it's so clear that the scenes where they're in the car, they do not know what the final effect of them driving over the snakes is going to look like. Because she's just got her head out the window and she's just going, Clark, do something. There's blood everywhere. But it's like, there's like no emotion or fear behind it whatsoever. And it goes on for like at least 30 seconds to a minute of just... Him yeah. running over what why, why looks like they, hoses. <laughs> why do they feel the need to both hang way out the side of the car <laughs> and watch the snakes get squished? Yeah, she's I would like, just this roll- is awful. I hate it. <laughs> but she's hung over the car, face in it, watching it happen. <laughs> and then why? So is it just the bite from the snake that turns you into a mutant, or is it like if she got a face full of snake blood? then she could have turned two. Well, the snakes are just radioactive, right? Just even hanging no. around these snakes. Should be. Okay, so so here's backstory. Um, and and wh- the internal logic of this franchise, because there's like four movies in this franchise, right? I think so, yeah. None Pretty of them sure are related stuff. to anything. No, no, they're all, they're all... The only thing that really connects them is the name, The Curse. But the first curse is very, very loosely... Uh, based, on, I mean, super loosely based on an H.P. Lovecraft story called *The Color Out of Space*, where a um, a meteorite hits the, the the Earth at this farm, and it basically like poisons the ground and makes everybody sick and demented, and the animals die and blah blah. Like, and I think that it, I think that that's *The Color Out of Space*. Pretty sure, um, and it has something to do with like this rainbow colored goo that comes out of the meteorite. But in the the original curse, there's a meteorite that hits goo spills out and it makes all of their, their plants grow like super big. And then when you cut them open, they're like putrid on the inside. And so I think the implication is that the curse two, yellow sands is the name of the um, area that they, that the radioactive or the monster snake Snakes are that bite people or dogs and turn them into mutant, gigantic snake things. Um, I think the implication is that another one of those meteorites fell, and instead of just poisoning the earth, it 
turned the animals into gigantic, like I, I, I when they when the 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 female doctor like halfway through the movie is trying to do the scientific explanation, you know, like Ms. Exposition. Um, she talks about how there's some sort of like genetic mutation or DNA thing that's going on. I think that it's trying to scienceify what happened in the original curse. That's my take. Here's a question. Is is there so many snakes in this area? Because every uh, roadrunner, every jackrabbit, every lizard, every other single animal that's in this area has been bitten and then hence turned oh. into snakes? Yes, that makes absolute sense. So here's a question. If there are so many snakes and then they just turn all the creatures that they don't eat, you know, that they bite but don't eat, into other uh, snakes, what are they eating once they're all snakes? That's true. Also, I mean, it's not like they're eating humans because... They just seem to have this desire to bite. Well, maybe it's maybe it's a werewolf type thing. You know what I mean? Like a werewolf can eat and kill a person or it can bite you and you get away and then you turn into the werewolf. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if, a were, if a werewolf kills somebody, they're just dead. <laughs> but well, no, if, they if bite... a werewolf kills you, you become the ghost of the werewolf, right? That's that's internal logic for an American werewolf in London and American werewolf in Paris. And I, is that part of Ginger Snaps too? I don't remember. Maybe it's been a long time. I it's been in a lot. It is. It is a thing in a lot of werewolf movies. Um, Ginger Snaps is when you become a woman, you also become a werewolf. Anyways, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, so wait, wait. so you, I, I, have, I have two things to say right here. One, this is the most logical conversation anybody has had about this film ever, especially <laughs> not people yeah, that are up to and the production. <laughs> yeah. um, also, you, this is possibly one of the better werewolf movies we've ever watched (laughs) (laughs) all right so you kind of glossed over it but i do want to give a quick shout out that the mutant snake dog is a pretty cool looking effect for like the couple seconds that you see it but Uh, it's not and then it like bites the guy's neck oh once it once it attacks it looks like shit but it's just (laughs) laying there miserable i'm like oh man that looks horrible um so uh they they there's a snake that gets into their car uh, they get to the hotel that they're planning to go to, and this is when Clark gets bit by the snake. And <laughs> the snake apparently slithers out of the car, and this little girl goes, I saw it go across the street. And then obnoxious female lead is like, I'm still going to search the car. And the mother's like, you call my daughter a liar? Like, it's like super, <laughs> like super yeah, that, defensive. That was a great part. But then she also goes, Heather, it's past your bedtime. And it looks like it's fucking two in the afternoon. Like, it is bright and yeah. sunny, like midday. Also, doesn't her being like, it's past your bedtime, um, kind of imply two, one of two things. Either that the girl's so tired that she's delirious and therefore shouldn't be believed or two that people come through bitten by the mutated snakes and are become mutated as well constantly i don't know <laughs> i i just don't understand why this guy gets bit by a snake and then like 15 people from the neighborhood come out to like crowd around him like what <laughs> including Is it so boring around here that you have to like including the shop owner from alligator <laughs> Yeah, pet shop owner from Alligator. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I love that. As far as I'm concerned, star of the movie. Uh, no, not the, the star of the movie is not the pet shop owner from Alligator, but rather the teacher from Carrie, the one who's like um, the, the chubby balding guy with the glasses in that town. 
who's like wringing his hands, like, oh, oh, and you know what I'm talking about? He's like that's, talking that's, to the guy. The, You're describing the same guy. Yeah, that's the same dude. Oh, oh shit, I'm sorry. I thought that the other guy that the 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 lawyer who wanted to be a doctor or something. Or no, that's, he's from MASH. He's, okay, that's why I knew what it yeah. Thank you. Uh, his business card sponge <laughs> that he walks around <laughs> with. Okay, that edit, okay? That edit made it look like it went from a business card to a sponge to a cassette tape. Right? <laughs> like it immediately jumped into a cassette tape. Um, then there's the sex scene, and uh, this is going to be a it's real... It's the most 80s sex scene ever. Oh, this, my God. This is going to be a really deep pull because I have a note that says, what is this sex music? And it, I was, it, the whole time, like, this sounds familiar. I know this song. What the fuck is this song? And, uh... For any of my Disney friends out there that listen to this podcast, um, it is 110% the song Once Upon a Time in New York City from Oliver and Company. Uh, the music behind it is just like a sweet, sexy saxophone. It's like... And I'm like, this is... And it goes on for like five minutes. That song plays for a full conversation into the sex scene. <laughs> And yeah, then you call the, keep calling it the sex scene. I keep I, I was referring to it as the one point five per or time speed sex scene. <laughs> where I don't need to see this. Well, uh, there's there's no there's no body parts to see. It's just people kind of like moving slowly beneath a sheet. <laughs> well, and then so so then the next morning the snake is in the bed. They kill the snake with a guitar and then just fucking leave. Leave with a bed full of blood and a dead snake and just fucking bail. Um, the best thing about that scene, though, is that she broke her guitar and will no longer be fucking singing in the car. <laughs> trust me, she's probably doing some acapella cuts that we just don't have uh, to listen to. Um, sounding like, oh, man, sound like Lemmy so, <laughs> acapella right there. So, so then the lawyer, the lawyer comes back and he's looking at the dead snake. And uh, this is like my favorite jump to conclusion moment where he's just like, unless it's a mutant, he's <laughs> like, just randomly uh. suggests that it's a mutant. And then he has another line that I love where he goes, but you gave him the antidote, right? I mean, there were witnesses. And he goes, true, there were witnesses. <laughs> um, but like that doesn't – there <clears throat> all the scenes with that dude, like he's supposed to kind of like – save the day at the end what the fuck no ever, he's but supposed to be the comedic relief time... in this movie because he is yeah, yeah. delightful his his entire plot line isn't trying to save that guy it's just to not get sued which i think is one of the best <laughs> like driving points for your quote-unquote hero is that he's only trying to save his own ass the whole time I was watching this, I was like, I don't think in this day and age, like 2017, that you could get away with writing a character so anti-Semitic and stereotypical <laughs> as this. Like, he's so stereotypical. Just he's like, "Oi, vey, what would my mother say?" And like, shit like that. Like, it's just so bad. Holy. Um, and which, then, yeah, his main driving motivation is money. He doesn't want to get sued. It's <laughs> fucked up. Uh, this leads to my favorite scene in the whole movie, probably the bizarre CB radio sequence. Oh, oh, okay. Here's here's what I have to say about that. The screenwriter of this movie liked Convoy a lot. <laughs> that this movie is Convoy 2, The Bite. 
Uh, she, so, so he, there's my favorite line in that is that, you know, like he's, he's trying to find the car and all these different people are hopping on the CB radio. And I guess, cause he's a traveling salesman, they're all aware of who he is. But then there's just the one guy beef. Who's just like a fat guy with no front teeth. And he just goes, beef, you old home wrecker. <laughs> like, <laughs> Actually, now we know what happened to beef. After Phantom of the Paradise. Beef, he beef, oh, that's depressing. Beef oh. later on has a really great line also where he goes, they're heading towards that brand new hospital with all real hot nurses. <laughs> that's all I have a note of that too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, I think the actually the most compelling quotes in this movie, all the writing, is is the convoy scenes. Yeah. But then also the, the, the uh, traveling salesman has like a side piece who's this like fat trucker woman. Yeah. Oh, and they have big old hard horny hard. Amazon trucker lady. Yeah. God, this movie um, is such a hot mess. So I have a note here. I forgot about this note. <laughs> it says, guys, I just figured it out. Lisa sounds like every girl that was ever rescued by the Care Bears. I'll cut that. Yeah, I was about to say, I don't, I don't get that joke. Yeah, I mean, you know, for our eight-year-old audience, uh, that'll be good. (laughs) Whatever. We were all kids in the (laughs) 80s. Well, Scott and I were. Um, This movie proves the old rumor that alcohol will make you a violent, abusive, jealous man with a snake arm. Um, That old bag, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, yes. I mean, it's pretty uncool that she, like, goes and dances with this guy the way that she does. Like, it's very intimate and flirty and it's just like it made me uncomfortable i was like yeah no i don't feel cool with you dancing and grinding and letting that guy grab your ass but it makes more sense when you realize that they're not together yeah Yeah. with with that in mind yeah a little bit um so i haven't so these are two notes that that uh kind of follow each other uh, it says, Lisa might be one of the first characters in a horror movie that actually stands up for herself after being slapped. Good for her. And then a couple seconds later, he goes, uh, never mind, she just got fingered and then decided to stay with this guy. <laughs> like, yeah, he's finger-banging her with the snake hand, isn't he? I'm pretty no. sure. Yeah, no, no. I think yeah, it's, I the know, it's the other hand. It's the other hand. <laughs> it's the other hand. Fuck, yeah, you're right. But so weird. Like, okay, if your girlfriend's mad at you, you know what you do? You just finger blast her in the car. Against Fine. against her, like, without her giving the okay. They're just like, look, I know you're really mad at me, but whoop! And then it's, everything's better. <laughs> well, she's <laughs> operating a motor vehicle as well. Like, um, so the, many things wrong with that scene. Okay, so this is, this is where the movie really uh, kicks in the high gear because he gets arrested. Uh, he refuses to show his hand, so they throw him in the back of the car. Eventually, he agrees to show his hand, and that's when the snake rips a dude's heart out of his goddamn mouth. Oh, yeah. It's super slow for a while with those fucking cops, and then the monster's hand goes down his throat and rips out his heart. It's it's amazing. It, I, was, I, I think that <laughs> yeah, was the... I guess that's a word for it. I think that was the point when I was watching this movie when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm picking this for horror movie night. <laughs> It's also like a magic yoga arm as well now that can fucking bend backwards in positions that it could never do before. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, but uh, you said that up until this point with the cops has been pretty slow. Uh, even the scene where he rips out the heart is still really slow. Everything drags on for an extra three minutes that it didn't have to because it takes him 
a long fucking time to pull that heart out. It's a it's a good three minutes of him just with his arm tilt like bent backwards and yeah. the cop like struggling around while his arm shakes and shit. Well, and then the heart. Comes out. Do you think it's easy to pull a heart out of someone's mouth, Adam? It's going to take a while. <laughs> Uh, like, let's ask Screaming Mad George. Screaming Mad George, what do you think? Uh, oh, it was that crazy! <laughs> Dude, that, <laughs> I like to believe that that's how Screaming Mad George talks at all times. It's just a loud scream. I'm never going to look up an interview with him, and I'm going to continue to think that that's how he talks. I've seen exactly one clip of him in the Never Sleep Again thing where they're just like, yeah, because they're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street 4, and they're like, that's the one where we use Screaming Mad George, and it's just this, it's this Tommy was so looking motherfucker, like, it's this skinny Asian dude with super long hair, and he's rocking sunglasses in the brightly lit interview room, and he's just got both of his hands out to his side, like, doing jazz, like, doing, like, the jazz hands, and he's just going like, <laughs> like, like, this guy's nuts. Nice. That only cements my idea of him. It's perfect. It's great. Um, Don't delve any deeper. Don't mix your heroes. uh, The eyeball on the side of the knuckles a pretty cool looking effect. Uh, And then that's immediately followed by him ripping the lower jaw off of that nurse's face. Uh, Yeah, that snake hand has a real thing for face drama. Yeah, rather. um, And then we get we get that weird foreign guy. This is where the movie takes another weird break for 10 minutes uh with the wait, 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 wait. two things one the snake hand no we're missing one thing snake hand gets cut off and there's no blood because that makes sense mm-hmm. uh, um but then is that kind of is, is it kind of why that the, the snake hand is going to be um is going to like kind of create it's another mutant snake because I kind of got that feeling. I certainly, I certainly thought so for a second, but it sort of, it just sort of shook around in the sink for a bit and then stopped moving. So okay. I thought, oh, okay, he successfully killed it. But this is a point in the movie that I thought, hey, wait a second, maybe this guy's crazy and he just killed like two, three people, <laughs> and now he's like cut off his hand to like cover up his own delusions. You know, I almost wish that that would have been what had happened, because the end of this movie is so batshit insane. We'll get there, but it would have been so much better if he was just crazy. Yeah. But anyways, we meet the crazy Swedish family who are ultra-religious. No, I don't think they're Swedish. I think they're Mennonites. I think that they're in Pennsylvania, and they meet, like, crazy Mennonites. I don't think they're Swedish. There's a pretty good subsection of Swedish Mennonites, is there not? Okay. And also, like, uh, I live in Pennsylvania. There ain't nothing in Pennsylvania that looks like any shot of this movie. I'm pretty sure they're in Arizona. Um, sorry, I got very defensive about the suggestion that this was PA. Um, <laughs> but the, the, okay, so now shit gets crazy. Like, I feel like they were like, <clears throat> all right, we're going to let Screaming Man George out of the cage that he's been in. Literally, we've been keeping him in a cage for the last hour of this fucking movie, he gets to do whatever he wants. Like, they just let him go off. Gave him probably, like, $30,000. Just do whatever. He bought all this KY jelly and just went nuts. So the first thing that happens is that the, the girl finds... The girl who still has no name. I, I didn't even want to know her name. Um, she finds him at the house, right? And then they have dinner with him. With with them, 
And then they go to sleep. She's like, get it. She's getting spooned by dude. And he got his like mutilated arm over her. Like they're spooning with his mutilated arm. And then like the, 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 the gauze is just like, <laughs> like all this pus and like a squeezes out. And then like, it's a snake hand. It's just like you've been waiting this whole goddamn movie for it to happen, and it happens. It's like I feel like if this was '88 and you're watching this movie for the first time, I want to say in theaters, but I can't promise you that this movie got a theatrical release. So you're watching this movie for the first time, and you're like, just just make it a snake hand. Just really make it a snake hand, and it happened. I feel like you would have like the entire audience would have collectively orgasmed at the fact that they really did it. And uh, then this thing has multiple powers. First, it's a full-grown snake hand now. It has a tongue that can whip out, like, 40 fucking feet, grab this guy by the neck, and kind of, like, snap his neck. And then it can also shoot poison, like, acid, from its face somehow, from the hand, and burn the the woman's face off, like the wife's face off. Doesn't kill the kid for some reason, but um, the, the gooiness just is happening. It's happening. Oh, yeah. It's happening. Well, and then, so that and, this is the um, point where he starts to fully transform into a giant snake, so his tongue fucking falls out of his face, and he starts puking up so snakes. That's when he, yeah, that's, okay, so she's, poor girl, has to run away from him without pants. So she's wearing his shirt and panties. And she's like running around. She gets in a car and she's and he's like on the top of the car and he's like vomiting baby snakes and KY onto the fucking windshield. Yeah, his yeah, eyeball falls out. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty intense transformation scene. But much like the rest of this movie goes on for five <laughs> minutes more than it fucking should. Yeah, it, it's really gross when he's like throwing up snakes everywhere. Like I. I don't get, like, nauseated by the films that we watch, but I was a little nauseated by watching this. I was just, like, because it was just so long and so, like, just the camera stayed on every effect for so fucking long so you could watch, like, the eyeball, like, course down through the KY and, like, the baby snakes course down through the KY and and a gigantic snake coming out of the, the, the... prop body of the guy and it's like the 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 body is like shaking and shit it's intense so yeah i was i was grossed out too but i was only because i was like i really can i look away now can we please look away (laughs) (laughs) so the other thing that should be notable uh going back to screaming mad george is this movie came out the exact same year that bride of reanimator came out so I almost want to believe that he spent all of his time on Bride of Reanimator and then, like, took the phone call and was like, yeah, I'll come and throw some stuff to Curse 2, but, like, I'm only going to be able to do about 15 minutes worth of effects, so you guys got to figure out the rest of that shit. <laughs> yeah, he went and did Curse 2 on the day when they were figuring out the flying head effect. From, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so then the final, like, insult to, to Clark's transformation is when his face just splits in half entirely and what just looks like a giant slimy Muppet emerges out of his body and starts swimming around in the mud. Uh, Clark at this point becomes a Russian nesting doll of snakes. Like, <laughs> he's, 
Um, every time you think that he's done, he's got another snake in him. But that last snake is his head splits open, and I think it's his spinal column and his skull are are the final snake that come out of there because the body looks specifically like to me. Am I am I wrong here? No, or, I never thought about that, um, but I think you're absolutely that right. <laughs> That's that's actually fucking awesome. I didn't even think about that concept that that's what that snake is. Um, At that point, I was so grossed out that I just I, my brain wasn't functioning. I was just like, make it make it end, please. Well, you're, well God. you're in luck because it ends about two minutes after that. Yeah, that's and two then minutes it's... that I could have lived without though, because she's just struggling through the mud, and then the Jewish salesman shoots the snake. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's all he does. Like they set him up as this big ass hero. It's weird. It's so this movie is so weird. Hey yo, so it seems like um like the the snake bite is turning different parts of, of Clark's anatomy into snakes. So it turns his hand into a snake, later on his tongue falls out and that's a snake. Um and then his spinal column and stuff becomes a snake. So you guys think that his dick became a snake? Or, or what? <laughs> oh, there was definitely a dick <laughs> I mean, snake. Probably a, a python. <laughs> oh wait, no. It's an anaconda. Yeah. <laughs> My anaconda don't want none. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on the regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. Um, so... 24-inch <laughs> pythons, bro. Yeah, so what did we watch this <laughs> week? Yeah, so what do we watch well, this week? I'll go first. Uh, I've been watching Curse 2. I watched The Curse, as I mentioned, and I do not recommend it. Um, but I also watched another movie that I don't fucking recommend. The Chilling. You guys heard of that movie? No. No, I don't okay. think so. I want to say it was like 1989 or 90. Linda Blair mm-hmm. and Dan Haggerty. Sounds good. And it, it's, it's not at <laughs> all. It's, um, the, the idea is that maybe it's not even 1990. I don't know. It's, it's bad. It looks older than it actually is. I think that they made it. And then it sat on a shelf for a while. Um, I just remember 
I so I watched Curse Two on YouTube, and then I saw the Curse, the Curse, the first one was on YouTube. So I watched that, and then I saw that the Chilling was on YouTube because they're all on the sidebar, and I'm like, why not? And so I speed watched, sped watched, whatever, um, the Chilling because I saw Dan Haggerty was in it. I'm like, it's gonna be bad because that guy can't act, and it's like these. Um, the concept of the movie is that it's the future. And they are now cryogenically freezing bodies so that they can eventually reanimate them at some future point when technology has um, progressed to that, I guess. I, I don't know. Once they um, develop metal skin implant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good. Um, but, they, but, of course, the fatal flaw is that a lightning storm comes, and much like Chopping Mall, hits the um, these cryogenic chambers, and these green bo- green skinned zombies are walking around in like aluminum foil suits, and Dan Haggerty has to like save people from them. It's you know I, I definitely rode the fast forward a little too much um, because I don't quite know why anybody did what they did in the movie. But I don't feel like I missed a whole lot, except for the part where Dan Haggerty saves the dog. And I'm like, okay, movie made. <laughs> yeah, that's what I watched. Uh, I don't know why you, you hopped into um, into the, the recommended videos and chose that when fucking Cursed from 2005 was in my recommended videos. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw that. And I, I would much rather watch The Chilling than, the, than Cursed. But Christina Ricci. Yeah, it is the most unfortunate combination of things I like into something I can't stand. I was like, Christina Ricci, uh, werewolf movie, and Wes Craven, how could it go badly? Well, it can. (laughs) It could go very badly. Uh, I watched Lego Batman. Um, I actually went to a movie theater for once and saw a movie in the movie theater, and I chose Lego Batman, and I am proud of my choice because that movie's really fucking good, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about it. Go see Lego Batman. Huh? Adam. Okay. <laughs> I watched a tri- Well, are you still there, Matt? Yeah. Okay, cool. I watched a trailer for um, a, a documentary that's coming out. It's called Room Full of Spoons, which is a documentary about the room, like with that Tommy Wiseau movie and stuff. Um, I don't think I'm going to watch this documentary because it's like Scott said earlier, don't meet your heroes. And I guess they dug really deep into Tommy Wiseau's <laughs> back life and like his his personal life um which is something that he really doesn't like when people do and he gets highly upset about it so he's disowned the movie he's begging people not to watch the movie or or support it in any kind of way shape or form um i don't really want to know anything about his backstory it's funnier it's cooler when he's a mysterious alien jesus figure to me so i don't really want to see that um, and just, you know, the disaster artist is coming out this year. So if I have to watch two movies about the making of the room, I think I might go fucking insane. So we're only going to watch the disaster artist, but yeah, I definitely saw the trailer for it and it definitely didn't make me want to watch it. It kind of made me a little bit upset and perturbed by it. But the, yeah. wait, the, the trailer for the disaster artist? No, the, there's no trailer out for disaster. Okay. Artist okay. Yet. Sorry. Believe I, me, I, I'll be fucking posting that to the Facebook page. The <laughs> It drops. Um, no, for the this documentary, that room full of spoons thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, sorry. I thought you. <clears throat> I got confused and 
we were talking about, you were talking about both movies. Isn't isn't James Franco um, playing Tommy Wiseau in Disaster Artist? James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau. Uh, his younger brother, uh, whatever Franco, plays uh, Greg Sestero in that in that movie. Um, for whatever reason, fucking uh, buddy from buddy from uh, Breaking Bad is in it. God, what's that guy's name? Um, he played Hal and and Malcolm in the Middle. Oh, oh fuck! I know who you're talking about, and I don't remember his. Uh... Uh, Brian Brandon Cranston. Cranston. Brandon Cranston. Brian Cranston. <laughs> Cranston Cranston. Bronson, <laughs> um, <laughs> Missouri. Uh, okay, yeah. Hey, Ma, can I have two cookies? No dice. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's what I watched. I'll, I'll save anything else that I watched for next week. All right. That was... The Curse to the Bite from 1986, as picked by me. 1986, uh, as picked by me. Um, Sorry. Uh, You guys can always send us recommendations at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. We promise we read every email we got, and eventually we'll respond to them, even if it's like an hour later. So send those emails to hmnpodcast at gmail.com, and uh, Adam and Scott will let you know other places that you can hang out with the Horror Movie Night crew. Yeah, you can definitely find us on Twitter at hmnpodcast. You can find Matt at St. Mort, and you can find Scott at Fackin' Duke. Uh, we also sometimes. Have, sometimes. He's occasionally on there. He's on there about as much as, as we're on there, to be honest. We're not very active <laughs> on the Twitter right now. Uh, we'll change that. I'll get, I'll get more active on it. We, well, um, no. The thing is, Adam, what you need to do is you need to use Twitter like everybody else uses Twitter. You just need to get irate about something that doesn't fucking matter and tweet about it. Yeah, he yeah, tweeted about Death Note. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> I'll also start going on. I'll start sending tweets directly to Ted Cruz and Donald Trump and Mike Pence, uh, <laughs> and that should that should stir the pot a little bit. That should definitely. We're going to be super famous when we're. In I the mean, there's box. there's no bad publicity, right? So, fuck <laughs> um, we also have a web page now. Uh, as of right now, it's only going to link you to the Facebook page, but uh, it's it, what is it? HMNpodcast.com. Yep. All right, so HMNpodcast.com. Uh, keep an eye on that. We're going to be starting to do a couple different things with that. But what about you, Scotty? Where can we uh, find some more of our stuff? Well, currently, all of our episodes since episode one, all that time ago, almost two years ago, guys, um, are Jesus. on SoundCloud.com. Yeah, SoundCloud.com slash Horror Movie Night. Um, and you can also check us out. All of our uh, content is on iTunes. And you can get to us from your favorite podcasting app um and once we have this famed website that we're that we're um looking into having put together we'll probably have the soundcloud links embedded on there so you can just go to hmnpodcast.com and it'll take you right to our content yay What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. 
Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. At maximum mediocrity, people say things like, I don't dress like this on a regular basis. This isn't my, you know, pooping uniform. This is not <laughs> And they also say things like, the, the nurses are usually either angels of mercy or whores. Every episode is a new experience where you get to know people that aren't famous, but should be. Why am I facing Floyd Mayweather in the Woods. My co-host Morgan and I track down the people you didn't know you needed to hear from. It's like hot sex in a mug. We are the Maximum Mediocrity Podcast, and we are on all major podcasting platforms. We'll be waiting for you. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 